We're going to get into the patterns that we can see in the New Testament. Let's start with defining the word pattern as it appears in the Greek and in the Hebrew. We'll look at the etymology of that word pattern. In the Hebrew, it is typically pattern, plan, form, construction, or figure. A structure by implication, a model by resemblance, a likeness, a pattern, a similitude. In the Greek, it's defined as the mark of a stroke or blow, as in a printing press, or as in printing, when you press down to print something, or when you use a chisel and a hammer to strike something to leave a mark. It can also mean the type of a person or a thing prefiguring a future, like a messianic type. The patterns are discernible by symbols. The symbols pop up now and then throughout the scripture. Certain words or word pictures are painted to point out that a pattern is being spoken of. And the symbols, they aren't just symbols in the Bible. They're actual signs, as John calls them in the New Testament. Actual imagery representing a greater and more profound, more permanent reality. In the book of Revelation, all these signs come to play in painting a significant picture for the reader as the Bible closes. The first pattern we're going to discern in the Bible is the Eden pattern. There are many repetitive patterns established in the Torah, particularly in Genesis. That's where they all begin. They are repeated throughout the rest of the Bible, connecting us to the original narrative of God living in harmony with mankind, or the idea that God wants to restore that harmony that he had with man at the beginning. The symbolism of these patterns, let's talk about them. We got garden imagery always taking us back to Eden, the cohabitation between God and man. We've got water, we've got rivers, symbolizing washing, renewal, purification, and restoration. Water can also represent facets of decreation and chaos, as it was in the beginning when the earth was formless and covered with water, and which God brought order out of that chaos. We've got blood, the blood spilled by Cain, representing man's desire to follow his own way as opposed to God's way. And only by spilling righteous blood can man be forgiven of abandoning God's way. And there are many other symbols and patterns that we're not going to get into, like olive oil, doves, etc., etc. I believe God puts all these patterns and symbols because he wants us to perceive them, to pick them out. Since these patterns are repetitive, as the prophets and even Jesus himself allude to them, God clearly wants us to notice them. They are embedded in the scriptures to drive a point home. That God is the one weaving man's story and these plans, this symbolism and all these patterns, they all point to something of his creation, not something coming from man's mind or heart. They are God's recipe for man's restoration and salvation. And if we deviate from these patterns, what we're doing is recreating something else in the mind of man, not according to God. And that ends in apostasy, 
We will lose our salvation and our standing before God when we abandon those patterns. Some patterns are symbols that are important to our study of denominationalism. We got Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark really was a mini floating Eden in the chaotic waters of destruction or decreation. The animals were there with plenty of food for everyone. It was a safe haven amidst the chaos of the decreation happening all around them. The waters destroyed everything else, and yet through the waters the ark was brought to safety. As Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21, God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in it. A few, that is, eight people, were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As you can see here in this scripture, Peter brings back this idea that a few people were saved in this ark, in this many floating Eden. The waters around them were chaotic, but the people were saved. And the baptism, which we now undergo in order to become Christians, that symbolizes the decreation water that was able to carry those few people in the ark through salvation. We've got the tabernacle. The tabernacle was decorated to represent the Eden pattern. This is the tabernacle that Moses made in the desert, according to God's instructions. It had fruits embroidered and carved into many places. It had flowers the cherubim was emblazoned on its curtains. There was a table with bread to represent fellowship with God and man. The entrance to the temple faced east, as did Eden. There was a menorah symbolizing the life-giving source of the tree of life and the light of the presence of God. It was a sacred space amidst the desecrated space for God to commune with his people. It brought God's presence before man. In Exodus 25, verse 8, God instructs Moses to build the tabernacle so that he may dwell among his people. This echoes the presence of God in the Garden of Eden, where he walked and communed with Adam and Eve. The cherubim. In Exodus 25, verse 18 through 22, this passage describes the construction of the Ark of the Covenant, which was placed in the Holy of Holies. On the ark's cover, known as the mercy seat, were two cherubim facing each other. This imagery recalls the cherubim guarding the entrance to the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3.24. Exodus 25 verse 40 says, Be careful to make them according to the pattern that you have been shown on the mountain. Acts 7.44 says, Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the testimony in the wilderness just as he who spoke to Moses commanded him to make it according to the pattern he had seen. The Hebrew author in Hebrew chapter 8 verse 5 says, These serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was warned when he was about to complete the tabernacle. For God said, Be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. As you can see, all these scriptures really emphasize that pattern. And what was the pattern? Well, the pattern was the reflection or the shadow of Eden, the shadow of God and man fellowshipping. That's what God wants us to get back to. And that's what the tabernacle represented, that effort by God to bring man close to him. We also read that the tabernacle was sanctified by blood and water. 
The Hebrew author talks about that in Hebrews 9, 19 through 22, which reads, For when every command had been proclaimed by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats, along with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God has ordained for you. In the same way, he sprinkled the tabernacle and all the articles of worship with blood. According to the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Here we see the elements of blood and water, the symbol of blood and water, going back to the water of chaos, the water of the creation, also the waters of the river running through Eden that brought life. Later we see the temple Solomon built, which was really a more permanent tabernacle. The temple Solomon built, the word temple actually means house in the Hebrew, as opposed to tabernacle, which meant tent. So we're going from a tent to a house now, a more permanent structure. And Solomon built the first tabernacle, and, and all the subsequent temples imitated this pattern of the tabernacle. The tabernacle Moses built was taken out of commission once the temple was sanctified to take over as the pattern of fellowship and communion with God, reminiscent of Eden. The temple was also sanctified by blood and water in the same way the tabernacle was sanctified. The church really is the fulfillment of the dwelling place of God. The Lord desired to live among his people. In the past, he lived in temples made by human hands, but he really wanted to live in us. And we know from the New Testament that our body is his temple. The body is the temple where God lives by his spirit, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Also, 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. And the church is the body of Christ. Romans 12, verse 4 through 5. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. Colossians 1, 18. All of these talk about how the church is not a building made by human hands. The church is to continue reminding us of the pattern of Eden God wants to restore. Us living together, God and man, reigning together, and one is purified to be part of this church, the temple where God lives by His Spirit through water and blood, through the water of baptism and through the blood of Christ. When we get baptized, that's where the blood of Christ comes into play in our lives. So we've got the water, we've got the blood, both involved, both very important symbols involved in purifying us together and bringing us into this relationship in the same manner as the tabernacle and the temple did for the Jewish people living at that time. So that was a brief history of some of the more important patterns and symbols that we see throughout the Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, coming to be fulfilled in the New Testament, coming to be fulfilled in Jesus, who is described as God with us, as the real temple, the real fulfillment of the temple, the embodiment of God dwelling with man in a body, in a human body. And then, of course, Jesus establishes his church, which consists of us, which consists of those who follow him, the believers, those who have consecrated themselves. As a Jew consecrated himself through water and blood, so now we consecrate ourselves through the waters of baptism and the blood of Christ in order to become part of that body of Christ, part of the temple of God, part of the house of God, which is what we're called in Ephesians, the family of God, the household of God. In our next episode, we're going to be focusing on the 
exclusive pattern of the church and why that pattern is important to understand the organization of the church as well, and how the primitive church departed from these sacred patterns we see in the scriptures in order to begin what we know as denominationalism. Cause it won't be a Baptist that's sitting on the throne A Presbyterian or a Methodist that's calling us home And it won't be a care that plays that trumpet too So let's all just live for Jesus Because he's coming back real soon Oh, it won't be old Buddha That's sitting on 